You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV. And crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, August 5th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home news writer and i'm gonna say movie industry analyst ryan scott hey everyone how's it going uh a bunch of people have asked me are you and ryan gonna do a podcast about this and we're doing a podcast today about this but before we get to the the main topic which i'm sure everybody out there probably knows what it is when you clicked on this i did want to mention a bit of good news that hits uh yesterday uh <laughs> this is uh nicole kidman has renewed her contract with amc and heartbreak is gonna feel good for one more year guys uh right do you think they're gonna keep the same bumper playing before the movies or do you think they'll record a new one uh i imagine they'll record a new one but i gotta tell you the only i almost never go to amc it is my last like resort i i would i i live in austin texas so the alamo draft house is my first resort uh outside of that i actually prefer cinemark as a big box chain and there is even a regal near me that i prefer so i will uh, so i really actually have not experienced this nicole kidman amc ad other than seeing it online so see i i never had uh, a love for amc like they've c- kind of always been like the fast food chain of of, of movie theaters 
But, uh, you know, the AMC A-West, it's just such a great deal. And, yeah, um, totally. It, you, do, you, do you have that for the Alamo Drafthouse? I know yeah. they have, like, a program. Yeah, so they, they, they had it before COVID, and it was the greatest thing in the world. And then it was, like, over a year after, like, things opened back up. But they did bring it back. It's called the Alamo Season Pass. And if you live near an Alamo Drafthouse and they have it, I can't recommend it enough. It's, like, 20 bucks a month, but you can go see a movie once a day. Like it doesn't like, there's no, uh, there's no, I mean, you pay like a $2 service fee. That's it. But like, but that's fine. Um, as much as I go to the movies, it's really worth it, especially because the draft house does a lot of like revival screenings and stuff. So like later this month, I'm going to go see Conan the barbarian just because I can, but like the, the only, the only catch is you can only get advanced tickets like a, a week ahead. So, like, every once in a while, like, if it's a big Marvel movie or something, I'll still buy the tickets well in advance. But, like, other than that, it works extremely well for my purposes. Yeah. Well, the AMC thing works really well because usually when I go to the theater, I'll see it in, like, their Prime Theater or their IMAX theaters, which have, like, recliners. And it's super nice and luxe and stuff. And, uh, I mean, since you haven't gone to AMC to see this thing on the big screen, I I don't know if this is like this nationwide if this is the experience that people have nationwide but when this the spot runs before the movie when nicole kidman going back to the movies um people like recite it in los angeles like people clap they cheer it's 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 become like a real big like I'm not even sure it's a meme thing that like we're making fun of it anymore. I feel like uh, honestly, I feel like uh, we're kind of with her in it. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see if they they do a different one of these and if it will be as you know amazing as this one is. But I imagine I imagine it's one of those things that like certain film people and people that very much live online have this reaction to it. But I once remembered someone. I don't remember who this was, but the experience of seeing Tropic Thunder in two different theaters, like one in California and L.A. with like hip audiences and then like kind of once again in the middle of the country. And the things people laughed at were completely different, like the fake ads in the beginning. The audience didn't realize those were fake ads, you know, so like I imagine like your L.A. audiences, your New York audiences, your very online hip people laugh at the AMC stuff. I imagine most people in like, you know other parts of the country that don't live their lives online and good for them. <laughs> good for them. They don't, you know, they just, whatever. It's just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's funny because this thing has kind of really taken, it become a meme online. Like you can buy pins, you can buy stickers, like people uh, have made merch. Off. Yeah. I believe <laughs> super Yaki even has t-shirts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into uh, the in- interesting business. So we last time we got together, we talked about Warner Brothers Discovery and them deciding not to release Batgirl, a movie that they spent $90 million on, and also Scoob 2. Both, both of those movies nearly finished. They decided to throw them in the can. No one will ever see it. Not re- released theatrically, not released streaming, not released on VOD, uh, whatever. Um, so yesterday, Warner Brothers Discovery had their earnings call and, and uh, uh, stuff went down. I, I guess it's the best way of it saying was more, it. It was a little more exciting than your average earnings call just because so much had preceded it. And just for some context, just real quick for some people that may not realize why this mattered or why all these decisions are happening. 
Uh, Warner Media existed under the AT&T umbrella as a result of a merger from a handful of years ago. Uh, AT&T absolutely hated being in the media business. So they sold Warner Media to Discovery and Discovery went wildly into debt to do this, um, adding more than something like $30 billion of debt to their books to be able to do this. And uh, that put David Zaslav, uh, who had largely existed in the unscripted programming world as head of Discovery, in charge as CEO of the company. So the last, <laughs> the first quarterly earnings report for this year, the, the, the deal had barely closed. So this was the first full quarter that the com the new company Warner Brothers Discovery, as the merging of Warner Media and Discovery had existed, and in the week leading up to this, we had the cancellation of these movies, things leaving HBO Max. So normally these corporate earnings calls wouldn't be that interesting to your average person. This was a rare exception. Yeah. So let's say before we get into this, this isn't just like numbers and stuff like that. This is going to be about the future of Warner Brothers, the future of HBO Max and uh, Discovery, I guess, if you care about that, um, and the, the future possibly of the streaming business and theatrical business. So I think this is very interesting. Uh, but let's start with the numbers. Let's start with the boring part. Uh, they announced a whopping $3.4 billion in net losses. That figure includes $1 billion in restructuring and other costs, an additional $983 million in transaction and integration expenses, and roughly $2 billion in uh, mortalization of entanglement, entanglements. Intangibles. Yeah, yeah. I don't even that, know what any of that means, Ryan. But that's it, some real business speak. That last amor amorization of so the the restructuring and other costs that's pretty basic. There's a lot of corporate restructuring that goes on. That's expensive. Uh, transaction and integration expenses. Uh, transaction is trans they spent a lot of money to buy the company. That gets expensive. The other crap is just corporate speak for whatever. It doesn't really matter that much. The point is, in the first quarter, they lost 3.4 billion dollars on paper which is a whole shitload of money <laughs> that, that, that's a lot of money to lose and uh they're blaming lower box office on badly timed movie releases i'm not quite sure that is entirely to blame there um but okay because of this they are completely restructuring the company. I mean, not just because of this. They obviously they're merging. Uh, there's a merger here, and they had a plan to restructure things. And they they've decided to take this opportunity of this a humongous loss to show where the company is going. What what how they're changing the future of this company. And uh, it, it's kind of a pivot of sorts because the the previous leadership was really getting into HBO Max and streaming and doing originals. And it seems like the new leadership is against all of those things. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, look, I should say up front that I don't agree with the way a lot of these things have been handled, but I will say that as much as a lot of people are painting Zaslav as like a villain, um, I do kind of think he has some points and I do kind of think I tend to agree with a lot of his feelings on the future of streaming. Uh, so, you know, I've many times on this podcast expressed my doubt about the house of cards that is streaming as it exists. Uh, Peter, I believe you saw yesterday that and this was buried in the news that Paramount Plus is going to lose $1.8 billion this year. 
I just don't know how that's sustainable. So I sort of understand the the I, the the notion. Well, Ma- Maverick not- makes up for that. So, well, does it? Because I mean, you're you know I you know that's the point. But like, but but I guess my point is that like the idea of sort of not leaning on streaming entirely as the future is something that I very much believe is smart with a company this big. Yes. Well, okay. The the big. Uh thing here is no more streaming original movies or i don't know i don't think that was said outright but it seems like it's not going to be a thing like yeah can i can i can i because there was a bit of a different thing that was said later in the press conference that related to that heavily can i read that quote real quick sure go for it okay so during the q a section david zaslov and we'll talk more about this in a minute but he was asked about the future of dc and kind of the cancellation of batgirl and stuff and so I'm, I am not at all cool with them canceling those movies and especially the way they did it. However, let's go over why that happened. And that sort of explains this move away from making movies for streaming. We've looked hard at direct to streaming business. We've seen, luckily, by having access now to all the data, how direct to streaming movies perform. And our conclusion is that expensive direct to streaming movies, in terms of how people are consuming them on the platform, how often people are there, uh, go there or buy it, or buy a service for it, and how it gets nourished over time is no comparison to no comparison to what happens when you launch a film in theaters. This idea of expensive films going direct to streaming, we cannot find an economic case for it. We cannot find the economic value for it. So we're making a strategic shift. I mean, I get that. That 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 sounds smart, but it that also seems to he says expensive original movies. Why can't you make mid-budget or low? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, and that's what I'm saying. I think to your point that what you were saying is they're not going to do any. I think what they're going to do if they make movies for streaming, they will be cheap. These will not be. But even then, you've seen like you know we've talked a lot about the emergence of like the low mid-budget movie again this year. So I think unless they really feel a movie is definitely suited for streaming, it is going to go to theaters. Yeah, so the plan now is to go theatrical, then go to VOD, and then go to streaming. That is going to be the pipeline. And uh, I'll, I'll read this quote from Zasloff. He says, in theaters, the value of the content and the overall viewing experience is elevated. When the same content moves to PVOD and then streaming, it's elevated again. As films move from one window to the next, their overall co- value is elevated. Uh, there's a skip in his quote here, but he says, uh, what we have taken some aggressive steps to course correct the previous strategy. So I think this is smart. I I do. Like, I don't hate everything he's saying in this thing, but I, I do think it's smart that theatrical does give an importance to the content. And it does. And again, we've seen the Batman was one of the best performing titles on hbo max ever and it also made 760 million dollars at the box office and performed very well on vod the interesting thing about vod now is that it it presents sort of a a revenue stream that was kind of missing uh like i'm not saying that it makes up for blu-ray sales but i am saying that like with that premium vod price and those different vod windows it does sort of offer a revenue stream and that might be able to sort of save some movies and might be able to, so I don't know. I, and I also think the important thing, and they talked about this a lot and this ties into the streaming thing we're going to talk about here in a second, but they're kind of all about giving consumers choice at this point. 
And also we're going to use a lot of words that like people hate hearing like content and consumers and whatever, <laughs> but that's just, I get it. But, but, uh, but yeah, like, so I think that idea is smart that I, I don't think the exclusivity model of Netflix is all that important anymore. And I just think that people like, okay, fine. If you do not want to sign up for my service, you are more than welcome to pay $20 to rent my movie and I get money either way. Um, I just think that's the way of the future. And I think that makes sense. So you're saying movies are not going to be exclusive to streaming services? That's what you think is going to happen? What I'm saying is they're not going to only exist on a streaming service. I'm saying they may yeah. have an exclusive streaming home, but I'm saying it's silly to say you can only get that thing that way. So I'm not saying, so I'm saying that like, Warner Brothers is not going to license the Batman to another streaming service, but what they are going to do is let you rent or buy it on VOD if you don't want to pay for that service. So you will give people an option to get it one way or the other, but you get the money. You know, yeah. like you're just, you're not. And again, this is uh, someone made a, I think it was Matt Donato who writes for us every once in a while. Um, he made a really good point about Shudder that like Shudder releases most of its original films on Blu-ray. Why the hell not? You know, like, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, give people the option. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, no, I, I'm for that as well. But um, okay, so there's other streaming services out there and I, I'm interested not just talking about HBO and Discovery but also seeing how this will uh, affect other streaming services. So obviously Disney Plus is making a, a shitload of original movies for the streaming service. Netflix is, I think, pumping one out a week or something like that. Uh, has any original, like barring the pandemic where things went, you know, the Project Popcorn and some big movies got uh, dumped direct to a streaming service, has there been a streaming movie that's been released direct to streaming, didn't have theatrical at all, that is a catalog title that like people will remember 20 years from now? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, there uh -huh. must be. There <laughs> must be. But I'm saying, that like, okay, but, but let's say, let's at the very least say this. The ratio for that? is low abysmal uh also just real quick worth pointing out before we move on too far yeah. uh wall street's reaction to the the quarterly earnings was not good um <laughs> the stock is down around 12 percent this morning uh year to date worth noting uh this has been pointed out by uh frank pelota on twitter uh what is uh but anyway um netflix stock is down 61 percent year to date Warner Brothers Discovery, down 32% year-to-date. Disney stock, down 30% year-to-date. Paramount stock, down 21% year-to-date. Uh, everyone that went all in on streaming over the last year and panicked during the pandemic, good luck to you. Okay, so I, I guess that leads me to my next question. And by the way, I would say I can't think of a movie to, to answer my own question. Maybe Prey. I think Prey. You know, I think, uh, well, I, but the other thing I would wager is I bet Prey's going to get a physical release at some point. I bet it's going to come to Blu-ray. I bet they're going to do something. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I, that's the only movie I think, aside from like, you know, maybe one of the Martin Scorsese Netflix movies, but those got theatrical. So I think that disqualifies. But my like statement. very little. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, cause even like, like, this is why I'm getting mad. Cause like, I really, I loved Coda a ton, which won best picture 
through Apple, like I'm praying they're going to do like a physical release of that. Cause I want that damn movie. Like I don't, you know, I love that movie so much. And I think like that one best picture, it should at least stand a chance of standing the test of time. But, but you know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's yeah, I agree with you. I, I, we can agree that at very best that that ratio is just abysmal. So do you think other streamers will follow in the cutting back on original streaming movies? Well, I mean, I think you've seen Paramount and I've talked a lot about Paramount this year, how Paramount's kind of winning the year, I think. And like uh, their stock is down the least this year. And I think it's maybe maybe not a coincidence that Paramount has committed maybe the most to that diverse strategy of, you know, okay, cool. These movies go to theaters. They do really well. Then they go to Paramount Plus if you want them there. But they also then go to VOD and they get a premium VOD window than a regular VOD window. And those movies have regularly topped the box office, then topped the VOD charts, and then have helped grow Paramount Plus. I It is very clear to me that those none of those things have to be mutually exclusive anymore. And uh, yeah, so I think I think you're already seeing people doing that. I think you're seeing Sony staying out of it. You know, I think Sony's seeing the writing on the wall of winning by not having a streaming service and being able to license content. I think you're seeing Lionsgate di- having a diversified business and having an opportunity to, to thrive, hopefully. Um, yeah, no, I think I think Netflix is going to become a dinosaur quickly. And that's weird to say, but it's true. That's so weird, because if you asked me two years ago, I would be like Netflix is the future of everything. I think um, Disney I think Disney's the one that needs to reevaluate how it's spending its money. What's going to go direct to streaming? Because there was even something I read where where Discovery, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery was looking at what Marvel is doing with like the Netflix sh- or the Marvel is doing with the Marvel shows on Disney Plus, And they feel that you could spend that same money on a movie and then maybe like repackage that stuff like as an extended cut series on later or something, because you're still sort of missing out on, you know, I don't know. And, and there's maybe an argument to be made there, but like but. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, so so I do believe that that Disney's the one that's got to maybe look at what they're doing. It'll be interesting to see if they they decide to do this as well. OK, let's move on because we have a lot more to talk to, to talk about. So we expected this HBO Max and Discovery Plus are going to officially merge into one streaming service in 2023. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be called. They did not announce the name. Hopefully it's not called HBO Discovery plus max or something because i have no idea what they're going to call this damn thing it just sucks that they have to rebrand again i think they should just go like warner brothers i feel like is a bigger brand name than hbo or discovery why not just call it warner brothers plus or warner brothers max or whatever and then yeah when you load up the app it has you know discovery it has hbo you know it has all the tiles yeah the, like- the, the the guess i've seen a lot is like warner plus or something like you might just go with the plus branding and the but but i also just think hbo is maybe the strongest like indicator of quality uh so i don't know um it just but again branding is a problem when you have to like you saw that with Paramount Plus where they had had all of that, like whatever traction they got with CBS All Access. And then they had to like rebrand again. Like, so I think that rebranding thing is difficult. Yeah. HBO is definitely a indicator of quality, but it, it would feel weird to have like an HBO streaming service that has like Shark Week on it. <laughs> yeah. Or like all because I mean, the thing is, yeah, they're going to have all of that like 
all of that crazy, like people don't realize the amount of unscripted content between like discoveries networks. It is crazy. And so I think that those 90, th- 90 day fiance and that kind of stuff, those two things are so disparate and it's, it is going to feel weird and you're going to have to find a way to like structure that app in a way that makes a lot of sense. I think you got to divide the app into different, you know, brands like that's one of the things i think disney disney plus does well where you kind of have the hubs at the top yeah exactly i think they need to i mean honestly it sounds like zasloff is trying to copy disney in in a bunch of ways here aside from uh getting rid of the original movies uh for streaming but uh he, he did say that the company is doing research on the consumer perception of the hbo max name but hbo will continue to be the major brand hbo will quote hbo will always be the beacon and the ultimate brand that stands for television quality. And I think he's right about that. And then we got this chart that I think sent the internet into a tizzy. Yes, we did. (laughs) If you have not seen the chart, I will, I've linked it in the show notes and you should see this chart because it basically outlines. It basically says that HBO max is, is a dude and Disney plus is, is, is a woman. And that uh, HBO Max, the dude, uh, loves scripted, loves like, content that like makes you think. And it's appointment viewing. And it's like a home of fandoms. And uh, uh, Discovery Plus, who's uh, you know the the, the woman, uh, she likes to lean back, comfort viewing. She doesn't like to think about things too much. And uh, she, she likes to watch like unscripted uh, reality shows. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what's so wrong with this? Look, this was a, this was in, in a presentation that I didn't think was as terrible as a lot of other people did. This was like a really like egg on the face moment for damn sure. Uh, but this is also what happens when you have a ton of people who don't normally pay attention to an earnings call, paying attention to an earnings call. Yeah. Like, like, you know, you, yeah, I don't know. This was a, yeah, yeah, th- this was this was not <laughs> I think like there was a better way to frame the idea that you're going to marry two very different worlds in a way that could work. But like, boy, the way that they frame that was really ugly and, and really gross. And yeah, yeah, I just honestly, if they literally just took out male skew and female skew from this thing, it would have been fine. It we might have been, yeah. It might have been, but yeah. It just it 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 really sucks that they decided to go that way about it. Yeah. So um, there's that. Uh, in, Warner Brothers uh, is also about to cut a projected seventy percent of the HBO Max production staff, and uh, there's reports that they don't really want to make more HBO Max only content. And I'm not even just talking about the movies. I'm talking about TV shows. So we'll have HBO making their own prestige tv shows but we're not going to get the i'm not sure if you've pulled up hbo max but they've had a lot of originals going on and uh, it seems like the future is is not going to have as many much of that um so that to me indicates if that's true if we 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 didn't get any official confirmation on any of that that's true hbo generally had like one show going on at a time if that makes sense, like, you know, Sopranos ended and then I don't know what and it came after the Sopranos, but they would usually have like every week would have like one show. So they would have one show for like, you know, half a year and then another show for half a year. I'm, I'm making up numbers here. So is Ryan, is that what we're going back to here with whatever the streaming services that HBO is just going to be producing like 
a few shows a year? No, I think HBO is going to continue to to make. I think what's going to happen is HBO's actual clip will go up a bit, but I think that like everything else is going to pare down. Uh, because I also think that like part of the problem is that so many things that make their way to streaming, people do find them and love them, but there's so much of it that a lot of it does get lost and, and it maybe doesn't justify the expense in the end. I know a lot of people that love those shows don't want to hear that, but it's probably true. Um, you know, so yeah, I think HBO is going to remain a cornerstone and that HBO will essentially get to have more like agency and budget and, and control some of that content spend and what they're doing. But, you know, that sort of helps with the branding a bit, I think, where you say this is HBO, HBO is making our shows. And then, you know, you, you can have Cartoon Network, Adult Swim make stuff. You can have your other brands make stuff, but you're not getting confused. What's an HBO show? What's an HBO Max show? What's this? What's that? It's sort of, I understand it, but I don't think it's going to just go down to a few things a year. I just think HBO will maybe end up taking a bit more agency over that. Well, we will see. The other big news is the Warner Brothers Discovery is going to make a push into the free ad-supported television space, which uh, is known as FAST, free ad-supported television. I'm guessing that's going to be like one of those words that we're going to hear for the next three years. So get that into your vocabulary fast because we know uh, what Peacock is already doing fast. Uh, they have like a, a free ad supported level of Peacock. Netflix has mentioned that they want to do an ad supported level, but I think that's going to be a cheaper subscription price. Um, do you think other streamers are going to follow them with fast? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I do think so. Um, because again, I think you even see like a service like Tubi is doing quite well by only being that essentially, um, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, Netflix is definitely going to do ads or whatever, but, um, I mean, yeah, I just think it's, again, it goes back to the options thing, right? You absolutely have to give people options now. So, you know, if they're willing to pay money in this way, then you'd take their money and say, thank you. I feel like I never watch the Peacock. Like I have the free plan of Peacock, but I never watch it because I never want to watch the ads. And I never think about the option of paying the money to get the ad-free version, which has the more content because, oh, I, they, they offer an ad-free version, you know, a free version with ads. So why should I pay for it? So I feel like to me it devalues the streaming service to have a free ad-supported version of it. But at the same time, I'm guessing a lot more people are going to see these shows and movies and they're going to make more money because there's going to be ads during. Well, them. but I also think and I don't know how they're going to do this because Peacock does it where some of that stuff's behind a paywall. Yeah. And so I, I wonder if, you know, it'll be like you can watch the first two. You know, you get them hooked on something like you watch the first two episodes of this for free. But then, you know, if you want it, the rest of it's behind a paywall or something. Yeah. You know, we've talked about a bunch about perception and how, you know, these original movies don't get the perception of being as important as these theatrical movies. To me, offering an HBO service that is ad supported and is free makes that premium not feel premium anymore. I, uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. I think may I think I think there's an element of overthinking this on your end. Yeah. And like in like the minds of your general consumer, the people that do <laughs> the people that want to watch stuff and don't want to deal with ads, they'll pay for it. But the thing is, those people are like there was some study done recently where like I think it's like your average person is going to maybe buy two of these core subscription services maybe one or two of the other ones and then they're just not going to do anything else you know what i mean like flat out like they're just like whatever so i think that's where you give people the option to watch stuff another way um particularly with movies i think it wouldn't maybe hurt to do that with shows either but that's a whole other thing um and then yeah i mean fine if there's a way to watch that without paying any extra but yeah you're right the problem that net the biggest thing that netflix did is that it made people think ads are not a thing we have to deal with anymore. And, you know, so that gets tough to go back, but. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the DC and all of this. So Warner Brothers Discovery announced that they, now they're going to build a 10 year plan for DC with uh, also um, Zazloff addressed uh, Batgirl. I, I think what was that the quote that you read earlier? Yeah, so this was at the yeah. same, this was like, so it was like a two-pronged question during the Q&A. So the first part of his answer was about, you know, we had speculated that there might be a DC reset or something, but Zaslav like addressed that head on and said, we've done a reset. We've restructured the business. We're going to focus where there will be a, t a team with a 10-year plan focusing on just DC. It's very similar to the structure that Alan Horn and Bob Iger put to, put together very effectively with Kevin Feige at Disney. We think that we could build a long-term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of DC. As part of that, we're going to focus on quality. We're not going to release any film before it's ready. Um, and then he also added, how do we make each of these films in general as good as possible? And that DC is something that we think we could make better and we're focused on it now. Uh, we do not know who that team is going to consist of. We do know that Zaslav brought on Alan Horn to kind of help restructure the film business a little bit. Um, it, we don't know what that 10-year plan looks like, but I firmly <laughs> believe that whenever these movies that are coming out are out and, and through, that is going to be it for the DCEU that we knew. Uh, I do believe that that, that, is, that that's it. But I do want to bring up this tweet from Chris Hayner, who is a friend of mine. He's a fellow journalist. And he tweeted out yesterday, who else is old enough to remember the other 10-year plans for DC movies? A hundred percent. Which I think is just hilarious because I think there was like two times that they've done this before. Uh, but this time it's going to work, guys. This time it's, it's going to be great. Uh, you know, obviously. Okay, so you're saying them uh, trashing Batgirl, but keeping the Flash, that this is going to be the the last of this, like, the remnants of the Zack Snyder DC verse, and they're going to just reboot after that? Would that? Be, that would be my guess, because I think, like, we've talked about, part of the problem is you have all these, like, little threads dangling everywhere for DC, and they don't want that. They want something cohesive. Um, so I think, like, obviously you make Joker 2. They already have a release date for that. Obviously you make the Batman 2. You have to. Um, but I think what you can say is this is going to be our connected universe. We will sometimes do like an Elseworlds tale or something, but we're going to label that as such and you will know what that is. Um, and we're not going to be dealing with all these threads hanging all over the place. Um, that's I, that would be my guess. Uh, I think that because I think what's going to happen is they're going to try to find a Kevin Feige or someone like that 
um, or a brain trust or something like that. And those people are not going to want to try to come in and deal with all these disparate threads, deal with the Snyderverse crap, deal with all this stuff. You want a, a fresh start. And I think the idea that like after Aquaman 2, after Shazam 2, how much more do you even have left to do in that world? Suicide Squad did not do the Suicide Squad did not do very well at the box office. So you probably don't make a sequel to that. Um, the Flash is a complete and utter mess and was kind of maybe going to hit the reset button anyway. You have ejected Batgirl. Blue Beetle might not have that much to do with anything anyway. You just don't have that much left. Black Adam has a couple of connections to the DCEU, but maybe not enough to, you know, keep it. <laughs> It t- you know what I mean? Like, there, I just feel like there's a, you know, Henry Cavill's probably not coming back. Ben Affleck keeps saying he's done. Let's just, it, maybe it's just time to move on. This is so messy, though. I don't know how you, you fix this. Uh, Walter Hamada, who has been kind of in, uh, the head of DC, uh, he came on board during like the Justice League fiasco and he kind of forged relationships with James Gunn and Todd Phillips and made the push into like a less connected DC universe. Uh, some of which has been very successful financially, like the Joker, others, which has not like um, uh, even though it's been, you know, critically acclaimed, uh, the James Gunn Suicide Squad was not, you know, did not light the box office on fire. Um, so Hamada, there was a report in Hollywood Reporter that Hamada is was, quote, very upset at not being consulted and concerned about the impact on those involved in making the film. Uh, he's talking about Batgirl there. Hamada was, has now agreed to remain in his post at least until October 21st release of the Dwayne Johnson film, Black Adam, according to sources with no, with knowledge of the situation quote, he's pausing says the source. The decision has not been made to make this adversarial yet. So it sounds like Walter Hamada is out, but he's still there, which is weird. Like if you're, I don't know. I don't like, who do you find to head up the new DC universe? And how do you make, how do you, I, I guess you're right. That like after these films, you kind of just like hit a reset button, but do you keep some of it? Like you got to keep the Batman, right? Like they're making. Right. But that's what I'm saying. You keep, but again, you can say, but again, you sort of, you, you can come in and explain this is, you know, and you, so let's say you just eject everything, but then you say, okay, new, new, new regime, new actors, new, everything new. This is our unified universe. Anything outside of that, we're going to label as an Elseworlds tale and you will know what those movies are and when that's happening. But that will probably be the minority, not the majority. You know, like I because I think. If Zaslav had had his way, we would not have a Batman movie outside the DCEU. We would not have other, you know, Joker movie that takes place outside of that universe and the DC. You know, you wouldn't be like splintering off in 50 different directions. Um uh, you know, that that would be my guess. So I think that you're going to try to now again, he's also a business guy, though. You Joaquin Phoenix, Lady Gaga and Todd Phillips want to make a sequel to Joker. You bet they're going to let them do it. You're absolutely going to let Matt Reeves make Batman, too. But you are probably not going to make that the regular thing. So what is your big takeaway here, Ryan? Like, what what do you think is going to happen with this change in leadership? You know, obviously, like you said, he's not a creative. He's a business guy. 
uh, he's making these decisions. And I, I, I know you come from uh, both those mindsets. You, you, you love creative, but you also love the business side of things. Uh, I feel like at some point, one of those sides has to win. Right. Well, it's it's clear what's winning here. Like there, let's be very like, I mean, and like, the other thing it's worth mentioning, I wrote a thing up for us just kind of going over David Zaslav and his history in business and company. the one thing that sticks out like a sore thumb. And this is worth mentioning because I'm not really defending the guy wholesale uh, at all. Actually, I'm just saying that, like, I agree with some of his yeah. points of like the movie business as a business and some of his decisions make sense as a business. I'm defending that much. The, the big thing I really don't like is, you know, he gets rid of someone like Ann Sarnoff, doesn't replace her. Every chair and seat he's gotten to fill almost has been white men. You know what I mean? Like he's very much mm. not concerned with diversity is a big problem. Um, so that's an issue. But what I will say is it's very Especially clear. Especially an issue when half, half your content is female skewed. Right. So according I will, to him. I will say, well, they had on the call yesterday, they had someone, they mentioned someone that's going to be the head of their diversity content, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, 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 um, I, it's clear the business is winning out. And one thing I will mention, uh, they have something like $53 billion in debt, but they said that they're on track to pay off like 6 billion of that, you know, which is actually a pretty big chunk. Um, you know, so like, so I don't know, they are making decisions that, that maybe, make this viable um it's clear the business side is winning the creative has to fuel the business and i've kind of always thought that should be the case with movie studios you know like it, this stuff doesn't exist if it doesn't work on paper i get that but i'm saying that you you know the one thing people don't like and i do agree that i don't like this the word content has permeated so badly no no these are movies and tv shows and they are largely art um, you know, you, you, you know, so you got to remember that, that art is fueling this business. And I think Zaslav really is not like, you know, in tune with that. Hopefully he surrounds himself with people that are Casey Bloys of head of HBO just re-signed a deal for five years. Casey Bloys is maybe one of the best in the business at that. Um, you know, so if you can surround yourself with more people like that, good, depending on who you get to, to take over DC, Maybe I think it sucks that Walter Hamada is leaving, you know, yeah. like Walter Hamada and good for whoever scoops him up, you know, because, <laughs> you know, it, but yeah, I mean, you know, that's the one thing. So I think the business is one. It's a matter of Ken Zaslav be smart enough to surround himself with people that that get that art fuels this stuff well enough to balance the two things. Yeah. By the way, last podcast, you said, I bet you that Kevin Feige reaches out to the, the filmmakers <laughs> behind Batgirl. And you were right. He reached out. And I, I think like the, the end of his like message to them was like, uh, hope to see hope you to soon. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you were dead on on that. Uh, I think the weirdest thing about this is the most obvious thing is like merging Discovery Plus and HBO Max into its own like one streaming service because they seem like two completely different things one is like scripted prestige you know kind of stuff and the other is mostly reality shows like they showed this graphic at one point that they're like we're gonna be all under one house and here's the franchises and there there was like logos of batman wonder woman superman and then it was like shark week in 90 day fiance next to batman it's like, what is going on? What world do we live in that like these things belong together? Because they don't belong together. I feel like there's, I feel like brands work 
when, when the reason why the Disney brand works so well is it's so it's so much one thing. You can peg what Disney brand is, and I feel like when you know J.J. Uh, Abrams first started Bad Robot, it was such like a one. Th- you know what a you knew what a Bad Robot thing was, and now I don't know what a Warner Brothers Discovery. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so weird to like combine these two very different things yeah i think service. what's i think what sucks is that like still a lot of times like a warner brothers movie still feels like a warner brothers movie despite like all, everything they've went through um <laughs> yeah. and i think that's a credit to the to the people at that studio that have weathered a lot of storms um but i and i think an hbo thing still feels like an hbo thing i think what warner brothers discovery needs to embrace is like the umbrella of disparate things they control and let those things be those things and somehow, if they can organize that all under one roof, good for them. Disney does have a lot of disparate brands they've managed to kind of do that with. And <laughs> so I think it can be done. But, yeah, they got to work to get there. And there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, Disney's still struggling with how to integrate Fox into that Disney Plus streaming service. But uh, they're doing it. Slowly, they're trying. Picture. They're trying. But that's where I think that you need to. The one weird thing, this is a way we can talk about this another time. But the one thing I've thought that Disney should consider is that, like, if they have brands they're not going to do anything with, I bet you anything they could cut a deal with, like, Paramount. Paramount would be like, we would love to make an alien movie and we're going to actually do something with it. And Disney could be like, cool. You pay us, we'll co partner with you on it, you do it. You know what I mean? And Disney could almost probably make a lot of money from other studios doing stuff like that with brands they got from Fox. They're not going to do anything with like but a Spider-Man like, situation. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But like, yeah. but you know, so that, but, but I think Disney's too selfish. They're like, no mine, you know, but, but you know, so uh, what are you going to do with it? I don't know, but they, yeah. but they want to keep it. Okay. We've gone way over our time slot for today, but we had a lot of interesting uh, stuff to talk about. Uh, you can find more of about all this. I'll, I'll link we had so many articles yesterday about this and uh, I'm sure we'll have stuff into the future as, as this situation evolves. You can read that all on slash home.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at slash home.com. And please head on over to Apple podcasts, give us a five-star review, uh, give us a rating or five-star rating, write us a review, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.